10 Myths About Confession. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep. We dive deep into our Catholic faith along with Father Chris House and Amber Servany. I am Andrew Hansen. When was the last time you went to confession? That's the question for you because we're going to talk about 10 myths about confession. Father House is going to explain it all. You've been a priest for how long, Father House? How many confessions do you think you've heard? I was nine. Well, as we're recording, this is 19 years today. Oh. For my ordination. Oh. Congratulations. Yeah, happy anniversary. I, I don't know how many I've heard. I tell you, being at the cathedral for nine and a half years, that's... Uh, you guys offer a lot of confession we opportunities do. there, and which it's is a, awesome. I mean, the, the cathedral is a house of mercy with the amount of times we offer it and people take advantage of it. And so. that's one thing I love about our diocese is I feel like there are so many churches that offer confession beyond the traditional Saturday afternoon, right. people's schedules and stuff like that. So it's great to see that. Um, yeah, you've probably done thousands, yeah. thousands of confessions. So you are a, conf- you are a confession expert. I don't know what to say. Yeah. All right. But, but myth number one, we're going to, we're here to spell out some of these myths to hopefully encourage you to go to confession um, because you may th- think that this, this, these are actually realities uh, when actually they're not. So hopefully this uh, answers some questions for you and hopefully encourages you and inspires you to seek the mercy of God by going to confession. So myth number one um, kind of goes, uh, this is something that some Protestants may may poke at us, but confession shows Catholics don't really believe that Christ's sacrifice was enough. I guess my response would be then just to go back to the Gospels. And when Jesus sent the apostles out, when he gave them the gift of the Spirit, what did he tell them to do? Forgive the sins of others. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain them, they are retained. We hear that in Matthew with uh, when he founds the church on the rock of Peter's face. We hear that when he sends the disciples out. So clearly our Lord envisions that there will be a ministry for the forgiveness of sins. So is Christ's sacrifice effective? Absolutely. But the power to forgive sins is a fruit of the Spirit, is because of the sanctifying grace given to us through Christ's uh, sacrifice. And myth number two is kind of ties right along in that, Amber. Uh, confession was invented by the Catholic Church and is actually not in the Bible. Well, and you say you just said so. Christ yeah. gave these instructions, right? Now, okay, so let's let's go a little bit further on that though. Where, um, what if they say it's it's still just not it's not clear. It's not it, okay. He said you can forgive sins, but the whole idea of confession seems very formal. I got to go into this, you know, closed door and say that you know that that wasn't in the Bible, well, Father House, right? And as as we know, confession today it's been an evolving reality. I mean, you go you have from the beginning you have. I mean baptism as the primary source for the forgiveness of sins because baptism washes everything away. So in the early church, people were getting baptized before they died. The people would, then they would get baptized and they would recover and then they'd go back to sinning. So so you have this evolution of the church. What do we do with all this? So then it got to the point where we would basically, you kind of had like this second baptism or this second remission for one of the big three sins they would call it back then, the big three of murder, uh, murder, apostasy, or adultery. So we'd see the development of the order of penitence, literally where people would sit outside the worshiping community in sackcloth and ashes doing penance until the bishop brought them back in. Then eventually what we know today comes about from probably the, I want to say the seventh or eighth century. It's the custom of the Irish monks. So the Irish monks had the custom of confessing their sins to each other as a, as a model, a matter of humility, 
Well, then the Irish monks go on mission and they carry that custom with them to where they go. And that actually becomes the evolutionary point of confession as we know it today. So really for a thousand years, this is how it's not some new thing, but we definitely believe that uh, priests and bishops have the sacramental power and authority to forgive sins as given by Christ himself to his apostles and their successors. That's fascinating right there. I didn't, didn't even know about the historical evolution, you know, the word you used to of how, how yeah. confession came about. That's fascinating. We should have put it on our, our 12 oh, things thanks. if you didn't know about Catholicism. But uh, all right, myth number three, confession is optional for Catholics. No, it is one of the five precepts of the church, which says that you have to confess your sins Every year it says confess serious sins. Now, it doesn't so much define what serious sin is, but if you read the catechism, there's serious sin and then there's mortal sin, which is on a different level. So we know that mortal is it's grave matter. You know it's grave matter and you freely choose it. And to be in mortal sin means that your relationship with God has been severed. And for those who die in mortal sin, the church teaches that they cannot enter heaven. So if you're conscious of mortal sin, you need to get a confession. But confession is good for the soul anytime. You have those who are confessing mortal sins. You have those who are confessing serious sins. You have those who are confessing venial sins. And for some people who live a life of devotion, sometimes people do what's called a confession of devotion. They confess previous sins, not because they don't believe they were forgiven, but because they want the grace of the sacrament and they are still sorry for any way in which they have offended the, the, the sovereignty of God. Uh, Mother Teresa, she went to confession every day. And people are like, why, why would Mother Teresa go to confession? But she believed in the power, the transforming power, the grace of the sacrament. So you have to go once a year. Correct. So if you don't go, it's a to sin. To confess any serious sins. Yeah. So then you got to go back to confession. Yes, to say you is. <laughs> okay. But it's good. I mean, it's. I wish people took more advantage of it. I mean, it's who among us can't say honestly, I mean, could go to confession every day, could go once a week, once a month even. Well, it's interesting you say, um, because I've, when I've talked to priests and I've asked them, what's your favorite sacrament? I've been actually surprised to hear the number that says confession. And I'm thinking, boy, the Eucharist, I think the Eucharist would be number one. Or weddings, that's a happy moment. Or baptisms, that's a happy moment. But they just say the power and the mercy of what transpires. Well, I think also too, because, I mean, sadly, people get in the communion line and sometimes they're going through the motions. People bring their children to be baptized because that's what we do sometimes, sadly. Or confirmation has become a rite of passage, although that's not what the church envisions. Or weddings can be the same way. People generally don't come into the confessional just because they come in because they are seeking the grace of God, the mercy of God. They want to grow deeper in their discipleship. There is something that sets reconciliation apart from the other sacraments in that. And it's just, there's, there's usually nothing casual about confession. I mean, except at Catholic grade school, when we round the kids up two or three times a year and make them go to confession, <laughs> then that's, they got to come. But, but other than that, but in the normal sense, yeah. Cause there's, it's, um, they're seeking something. It's just, it's not random. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Confession is only for, quote, really bad people. Well, you just mentioned Mother Teresa. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, there's only two people who never sinned. Jesus and his mother. If you're not one of them, get in line with the rest of us. <laughs> so, I mean, we all need the mercy of God. St. Paul tells us all have 
sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, there are different degrees of sinners, but we all, in the end, we will all rely on the mercy of God and nothing else. We will not be able to justify ourselves. And if anybody thinks they can, they've they've either been lied to or they're delusional. I mean, because it just that's how it is. We mentioned Mother Teresa went every day. I didn't know that. I I remember hearing Saint Pope John Paul II went weekly. And you, you hear about Mother Teresa and John Paul II, and you're like, holy cow, they're saints. Why do they need to go to confession every day, every week? And then you might think, well, yeah, that's saints. why they became saints. <laughs> saints. Yeah. Yeah. Which is because they were striving for holiness. Yes. Which is yeah. our, our call here on earth to become a saint. All right. Myth, myth number five, Father House, priests will judge me. <laughs> no, because, well, you know, a priest has to be on both sides of the screen. I remember, as I said, 19 years ago today, I. Like I think big moments in our lives, we don't remember a lot of what happens. But I, the one thing I remember from then Bishop Lucas, now Archbishop Lucas, from his homily, he talked about you know, you know, celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation often as both confessor and penitent. He said to myself and Monsignor Heffler, you know, it's like hear confessions, but acknowledge your need for the sacrament too. Make sure you're kneeling on that other side of the screen. So I mean a priest is just as much in need of God's mercy, sometimes maybe more than everybody else. So no, um, and I'm in a privileged place when I'm hearing confessions because I'm simply the broken, sinful vessel that Christ is choosing to use acting through me in my priesthood because I'm not forgiving your sins. Jesus Christ is. So the Lord is there to extend his love and his mercy. So we all need God's mercy in different ways. So, no, we don't. We don't. Uh, and there's also a grace of it, too. To be honest, you kind of leave what you hear behind in there. I mean, I. Kinda, Other priests have said that, said that to yeah, us, too. They, they seem to, they, they forget. I leave the confessional and I do not dwell on it. And you'll hear, you can hear all kinds of things. You hear light things. You hear very heavy things. But there's a grace. To, you kind of walk out that door and it's just the Lord just kind of lets that shed from you. Well, the other thing I want to mention here, uh, especially for someone who may be struggling or, or fearful of going there, you know, we mentioned the myth of priests judge me. I also think of you're not going to say something, most likely, that a priest hasn't heard before. It's very true. Um, yeah, we're not going to be shocked or scandalized or, well, that's a first. I mean, it's just, it's most likely, not, unless you get a guy who's newly ordained, maybe it's all new. But no, I mean, it's just, yeah. And sin at the end of the day, it goes back, it has common roots. I mean, it's, so there may be different ways what it manifests itself, but what is that sin rooted in? We've heard it. Interesting. All right. Myth number six, uh, you can make a bad confession. I'd say this is one of the myths I'd, I'll meet you halfway on. So to, if you have a sincere heart, yeah, you're not going to make a bad confession. The challenge is if you're going to come to confession though, I mean, do what's necessary to make a good confession. Take time to examine your conscience. Just don't just hop in and be like, well, I really don't know why I'm here. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you step out? And when you figure out, come on back in, I'll be here. So that's kind of the whole thing. It's like make use. This is a wonderful encounter with the mercy of God. You're encountering Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, who wants to lead you back to right relationship with the Father. So make use of that. So take time, examine your conscience, where have I failed? Where have I fallen? 
and bring that to the Lord. It's just, I mean, just, uh, yeah. And and don't confess other people's sins. <laughs> Pro tip. Because right sometimes there. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, that's nice. Now I thank you for telling me what your spouse has done or your neighbor has done or your kids have done, but we need to know what you've done. So it's just, yeah. And you know, you mentioned examination of conscience. Uh, just Google it, Google examination exactly. of conscience. There's tons of forms out there in Catholic websites that go, have you done this? Have you done that? And that'll help you form where you have, where you have, have fallen short. You mentioned, you know, the myth of, of a bad confession. I, I, you know, I, I take, I take it as, you know, especially someone who hasn't gone in a while, who, again, who's really fearful of, ah, I'm not going to say the right words, or I'm not going to convey my sins the right way. Again, this is one of those things that's like, Hey, a priest will help you through, through that. If you, if Correct. you are struggling, but again, if your heart is in the right place, if you struggle with what you want to convey, that's why there's no such thing as a bad confession. Right. And it may be, that may be the first step. And it may be that you come back. I mean, ideally is, is, you know, we make confession, we go to confession with some frequency. And maybe then you come back because you've thought more about this or more about that. Sometimes people will come in and it'll be, it's been, Father, it's been 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Well, in that moment, they're not probably going to give me a litany of everything that's happened over that time. But usually it's kind of like, but something has moved them. So a lot of times I'll start with, well, what has the Lord put on your heart? That's the starting spot. And so, because, I mean, people, we do teach, I mean, if you conceal something in the sacrament, it's not forgiven to deliberately hold something back. But if honestly something is not brought to mind or it has been forgotten, which things will be forgotten over time. That's why a lot of people end their confession with, for these and all the sins that I cannot recall. I am hardly sorry, and I ask pardon, absolution. Myth number seven, you touched on this a little bit, Father House. You should only go to confession if you've committed a mortal sin. Yeah, now, no. we, now, we mentioned mortal sin is, is deadly, but even the, you know, the, the venial sin. So, yeah, I mean, what's, you know, uh, what's the big deal if I don't go to confession, you know, even though I got a bunch of venial sin on my soul? We can have a bunch of venial sin. The problem is, though, all that begins to harden you over time if you do nothing about it, and then that can lead you into something more grave, more serious. So... Uh, venial sins are forgiven a multitude of ways. They're forgiven through an act of contrition. They're forgiven. Uh, we have that. It's being of mass. It's it's a form of absolution. It doesn't have the same efficacy as the sacrament of reconciliation. But after we pray the Kyrie or the Confeder, where the priest says, "May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life." That's a a simple absolution for venial sins. Thomas Aquinas, Saint Thomas, taught us that. Uh, venial sins are forgiven in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, the sacraments themselves, the other sacraments, forgive venial sins. Um, but but in that moment, do you actually have to think about them and be sorry for them? You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to show up today, receive communion, and all these venial sins over the past eight months, I'm good now. Well, that's the whole point of why we we begin Mass with, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves. So we bring that to mind, and, and hopefully the presider gives you a moment Sometimes it's just like next to next to next. That's the idea, though, is a brief. And that's also part of mass preparation. Going, Getting to mass with a few minutes to spare, you can sit down and prepare yourself for mass. So basically it's like, you know, are there things I need to bring to the Lord here at the beginning that I need to say I'm sorry for and to have him wipe away? So my venial sins. So it's like, yeah, I'm coming to this Eucharistic sacrifice as a sinner, Um to experience the grace of God in a multitude of ways. So part of that is acknowledging our sinfulness and allowing the grace of God to wipe those venial sins away so that we can receive communion worthily. 
Uh, Andrew, myth, myth number eight. <laughs> myth number no, eight. Okay. Oh, the priest will tell people about my sins. Mm, it's a big, this is a, this, I always tell the kids this when we talk about it. It's like, you know, it's not just that we won't tell anybody. It's that we can't tell anybody because if we tell somebody, we're in very big trouble. If a priest directly or deliberately breaks the seal of confession. So we have the seal of confession, which anything that is said under the seal remains under the seal. If a priest deliberately breaks the seal in canon law, he is automatically excommunicated, automatically. And the only person that can lift that excommunication is the Pope. <laughs> so you pretty much paint yourself in a corner if, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that is how serious the church is about this. And the seal is so strong that, Say, Amber, say you come to me and you confess something, but then say then there's a trial about something and what you told me, blah, blah, blah. And you say, you know, I release you from the seal. You don't have that power. Mm. Anything that's said remains under the seal. No one can release. a. There's no power under heaven that can release a priest from the seal of the confessional to the point that there have been mounting challenges against that in civil law, which have gone nowhere, thanks be to God. I'll say we, we've seen, I think Australia has tried to do right. stuff. Um, I think California has, has tried to do stuff. Right. Um, and they back off. But basically, I mean, there's conversations about this among priests at times, that basically if push comes to shove, it's like, I mean, we will go to jail. I mean, if, if I'm called in as a witness in a court and I am asked to give testimony with something that it was directly under the seal, and I, I don't answer. I mean, even to the point that we don't even say whether or not somebody came to the confessional. Because it's no one's business. That's part of that. It's just so. And I don't answer. And I'm compelled by a judge to, you know, father, answer this or I'm going to hold you in contempt. Then it has to be contempt. That shows you yeah, how, how serious that the church ta uh, takes it. Now, if myth number nine, uh, confession only removes sin from our soul. That's part of it. Right. There's more to than just sin being removed. Well, as we talked about this, it's, I mean, uh, reconciliation is a sacrament, so it bestows grace. So it's, we talk about, it's like Mother Teresa doing a daily confession. You know, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not Mother Teresa. So, I mean, I could go to confession every day. I mean, there's venial sins there. I mean, but for those maybe who... Don't even have that. I mean, the confession of devotion. I confess past grievances, not because I doubt God's mercy, but because I have a genuine, genuine grief for any way in which I have offended God. So that confession of devotion bestows grace. There may be nothing there to forgive, but grace is still given. Grace is that, it, I mean, grace helps us ultimately mm -hmm. grace is carry the, on. Grace is the antidote to sin, simply put. And if people understood that, and that the sacraments are the primary way in which God injects grace into the world. If people understood that, then they'd be out the door at Catholic churches for the Eucharist, for confession, for the others. Right. Okay. Myth number 10. God knows my sins. I can go directly to him. Well, you know, push comes to shove. Yes, you can make a perfect act of contrition if you don't have access to a priest. But ultimately, when you do have access to a priest in the sacrament, you're to go. Yeah, I mean, people say, I have a mediator in Jesus Christ. Yes, you do. 
and the priest stands in the place of Jesus Christ in persona Christi by virtue of his ordination. Like I've said earlier in the podcast, when I'm sitting in a confessional, I'm, I'm the sinner who's a broken vessel that Christ has chosen to use because it's Christ who absolves you. It's Christ that takes away your sins, not me. I'm simply the vehicle. I'm the conduit of that grace and that mercy. So um, I've, I've heard this analogy, which I think really helps me with God knows my sin. I can go directly to him. If I wrong my wife, I can't just think, oh, she'll forgive me. She's my wife. And just I, I, you know, I'll just think about it and everything will be good. I have to actually verbalize something to her and say, I'm sorry. And then hearing her response of, I forgive you. That's the way it was very analogized to me to confession. You have to, you have to go there. You have to show that, you know, you're merciful to actually go to confession, to actually verbalize it, but then ultimately to hear absolution on the other side. It's a, it's a give and take. It's not just, I think about it. I'm now good to go. And not just, and that, but not just that, that, you know, there's no such thing as a purely personal sin. I may think a disparaging thought of, of somebody that only I know that along with God. At the same time, my disparaging thought is a sin. Sin breaks down the body of Christ, whether the body of Christ knows that sin or not. So it's not just my personal sin. When I sin, I have also sinned against the church, which is the mystical body of Christ active in the world. So yeah, it's not just about me and the Lord. I mean, ultimately it is, but there is a social dimension to all sin. It breaks down the order that God has sought to establish in creation. Hmm. And we leave with one final thought, Father House, just a, a bit of encouragement for, again, for, for folks who are, who may struggle, who are scared, who are just trying to, you know, get over that ledge of that hump. Um, what would you, what would you say to people? One thing, I mean, just number one, as we talked about, you're not going to be judged you're not going to say anything that's going to make the priest gasp. Um, and the fact is, all of us need the mercy of God from the top down in the church, from the Holy Father on down. I mean, we see those beautiful images of him at different times of the year. Why? He goes to hear confessions during Lent in St. Peter's Basilica. What's he do first? He walks up to a confessor and he kneels down and all the camera bulbs start going off in that because there's the Pope right in front of the good Lord and everybody confessing his sins. So we all need that grace. And the Lord wants us to come to him. The Lord wants us to receive his mercy. It's, uh, and that's, uh, yes, we have to swallow our pride. Uh, We have to overcome that force in us that's saying, no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Well, it's, you know, that, that whole bizarre notion of, you know, I'm fine, you're fine, we're all fine. If that's the truth, then Jesus was just was either a liar or or a lunatic who had a really bad Friday afternoon 2000 years ago. But if Jesus Christ is the Lord, is the savior of the world, is the one who has given this gift to the church for the forgiveness of sins, for the sanctification of our lives and the sanctification of the world, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him to find relief from the burden of our sins because if we're honest with ourselves, we carry these things around and over time they do begin to weigh us down. They begin to eat at us. He wants us to have freedom. He wants us to have relief and he wants us to have joy. And so that's how we get true joy and true peace in the spirit by 
letting those things go, by allowing the Lord to take away those things that don't belong, that are holding us back, that are weighing us down so that we can have true life in him. That's what Christ wants for you. Whether you believe that or not, Jesus Christ wants that for you. So seek it and make use of that sacrament. You'll you'll feel better for having done it. Great way to end. So check out your local parish confession times. And again, a priest will always walk you through if you are uh, are scared or you don't know maybe the correct format or words to say, just let the priest know and he will get you through that. This has been Dive Deep. If you like more podcasts, head over to dio.org slash podcast. And until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep.